Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Amen. Awesome. Let's open up our hearts. Let's open up uh, and switch on our minds. And let's uh, be ready to partake of the word this morning. Um, I want you to be engaging with me. I'm inviting your engagement. I'm inviting you to um, really think for yourselves as we're getting into the word. And uh, because uh, we don't just want to kind of have this, this, uh, this classroom mindset when we're getting into the word. We really want to have a family, a, a lounge, a living room environment where, we, where we're digging into the word together. Uh, we're responding to what we're hearing. We, we, we're asking questions, so to speak. And if there's anything that uh, doesn't make sense to you or anything that's unclear to you, please uh, feel free to contact me and uh, we can get further into some of the, the things that, that might be uncertain uh, to you. But we're working through the, the letter um, to the Ephesian church. If you haven't been with us um, at all, we in part six this morning. So we've uh, already covered uh, five teachings and they're all available on SoundCloud. But the awesome thing with this letter, it's really um, so simple how it's talking about our identity in Christ. And because of our identity in Christ, because of the, the, the transformation and the, 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 the spiritual transformation that we encountered becoming born again, and our old natures have been crucified with Christ and we've received a new nature, a holy nature. Because of that, there's a whole different life that we've been set up to live. And we see this unfolding within this letter and uh, we're only in chapter two, and uh, we're going to get into that this morning. But just a quick recap from when we last saw each other, because last week we obviously had the prayer meeting, and that was awesome. That was really a blessing. Um, thank you for everyone who could be part of that. But um, the last time we saw each other, we got into some of chapter two, and we saw that the greatest problem with the world isn't sin, but disobedience. And uh, um, oftentimes we kind of think that sin is disobedience or disobedience is sin. By disobedience defined in its simplest form is just unbelief. It's not believing in the goodness and the nature of God. We saw this happen to Adam and Eve. Um, they, their sin wasn't eating of the fruit. Their sin was not believing in God. Um, it was unbelief in the nature and the character of God and that God created them perfect. God created them um, without any lack, but they believed the lie uh, from the devil, which said that, you aren't really technically like God. If you do this, if you eat of this fruit, then you will actually become like God. Whereas if we see the whole picture, and if you know the story, um, we see the picture that God created man in his image and in his likeness. So there was no lack of them. They were perfectly formed the way that God wanted them to be. And they didn't believe that. And that is disobedience, unbelief in the goodness and the nature of God elevating our wisdom and knowledge above his word that is basically um the problem that the world is sitting in it's uh, it's unbelief in the goodness and the nature of god it's not believing that god created us to be in relationship with him god created us to be loved and from that place of receiving his love we can love one another we can be selfless with one another um, but that only comes through receiving a new nature having our old nature crucified with christ and renewing our minds to this new nature. And that is what uh, Sunday gatherings are about. That's what um, this whole ministry is about. It's about establishing people in the truth and the reality of their Christianity. 
And so we're going to kick off and we're going to jump right into chapter two and uh, we'll backtrack a little bit into the, the previous message and we'll jump into verse six. I'm going to read verse six uh, to nine from the Amplified Classic and then we'll break it down a little bit. And it says, and he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in heavenly spheres by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. He did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace, his unmerited favor in his kindness and goodness of heart towards us in Christ Jesus. So we've already covered these two verses in the, in the, uh, the previous uh, time we were together, but just we really want to illuminate again. We've got joint seating with Christ. That is something that just shakes religious bones. Having joint seating with Christ, we are seated with him in heavenly places. I love how it says in the bracket amplified, by virtue of our being. There's nothing wrong with you. You are complete in Christ. Colossians 2.10 says, you are complete in Christ. You are completely crammed to the full with everything that God wants for you. You are lacking in no good thing. Now, what religion would want to tell you and what the devil would want you to believe is you're lacking something. You're lacking something. You need, you need to do a few things before you can experience everything that God has got for you. Um, putting a whole bunch of uh, uh, to-dos in front of you, a whole bunch of tick boxes that you need to get before Jesus reappears again, kind of like getting to, to that level. There's no levels in the kingdom of God. There's one level. It's Christian or not. Like you, you're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. You're either uh, filled with the fullness, complete in Christ, or you're not. Now, there is still maturing that needs to take place, but that's a whole different topic. But with the Spirit of God inside of you, you are complete. That is your being. You've got the Spirit of God living inside of you. You've got joint seating with Christ Almighty, the Son of God. And there's a love that was demonstrated through this. There's a love that was demonstrated through Jesus dying for our sins. And then verse 8 to 9. So like I said, we already uh, covered that a little bit more in detail in the previous uh, message. So we're going to jump into uh, verse 8 and 9 from then. It says, for it is by free grace, that is God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. It's not because of works, not the fulfillment of law's demands, lest any man should boast. It's not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. Now, this is awesome. These, these two verses will just... This, this just shatters the religious mind completely. This sets us apart from every other religion in the world, including the religious Christian. But every and any other religion in the world is about doing something, performing, having to become good enough through your works, through your actions, never feeling good enough. But this message and this, the gospel in its essence is found in these two verses. It is God's free gift. And the only thing we need to do, the only thing that the world needs to do is respond to that gift. Receive that gift and enjoy the gift. It's such a beautiful picture. If you, 
If you have your birthday and someone uh, brings a gift to you, it's wrapped up in a beautiful uh, package. They, they, they put the gift on the table. They say, um, happy birthday, Devon. Here's a gift for you. Enjoy it. And then Devon responds with, okay, what do I owe you? I, that's a crazy response, right? But how many believers are living with that mindset? Okay, God, but what do I need to do now? What do I owe you? Man, that's not the relationship that God desires for us. When we take the gift, and it, sometimes it requires humility, right, to receive a gift, especially if it's not your birthday. We think we, we're only allowed to be loved and receive gifts on our birthdays. And all of the wives in the meeting said, amen, I want to receive gifts every day of the week. <laughs> Roses, flowers, new pots, new plants, all of these amazing things. It's awesome to be able to give gifts to one another and it not having to be a, a specific occasion necessarily. That's God's love for us. He wants us to just receive the gift with humility and say, like, thank you, like, I, I appreciate it. But then what happens is not just receive the gift and like kind of have the package there in your room and you're like, thank you so much. And you never end up opening up the package. God wants us to partake of the package. He wants us to unwrap this package of salvation. Because salvation isn't just kind of a ticket to go to heaven one day. Man, that's a sucky message of salvation. That's a sucky definition of salvation. Salvation is a transformed life. It's a life that is set up for transformation here and now on earth and experiencing the rest of that in heaven one day. But let's start experiencing heaven on earth right now because that is God's heart for us to experience transformation because of the life of Christ and the spirit of God living inside of us. Salvation is so much more than we can think or imagine. And all of us need to grow in understanding this. This is Paul's prayer for us. We saw this in chapter one. He's praying for wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of the truth of who we are in Christ. Because if we don't know who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us, we'll live mediocre Christian lives. We need to start kind of unwrapping this gift so to speak and we need to start decluttering and just cutting away things and and beliefs and doctrines and things like this and just bring it down to the message of God's love and grace his spirit living inside of man that is the promise that God made to Abram from the beginning of time that his spirit would live in man that we would enjoy perfect union co-seating with Christ for all of our lives, as soon as we receive the gift. It's not of works. It's a gift of God. It's not of works because no one can boast about it. Verse 10 goes on to say, and it says, for we are God's handiwork. This is beautiful. Verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works, which God predestined or planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. This is awesome. Highlight the word recreated. We have been recreated in Christ. You haven't been fixed up in Christ. You haven't been made a, a, an upgraded model, like in the sense of like, okay, cool, you've got, you've got a, a new... Um, solid state hard drive in your laptop 
laptop now, if you've got a new screen now on your phone, like you're not partially new. You have been recreated in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20, we've been recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. And because we recreated, because we're born anew, we have these good works that God predestined for us. You can't do these good works if you're not born anew. If you haven't got the spirit of God, which is the empowering to do these good works. You can't do the good works if you haven't come to know the heart and the desire of God for you to do these good works. But we can't put the card in front of the horse. Oftentimes we like, even in grace circles, someone comes to know Jesus Christ. They, they, they're living on the streets, they're a drug addict, and, and they come to, to experience the, the grace of God in church, and they hear the message of the gospel, and they, they receive the spirit of God living inside of them. And then two, three, four weeks later, or even three, four months later, when they're still living with their addictions, we, we, we start uh, switching gears and we want to become religious now. And yes, the grace of God and the impact of the Spirit of God living in man, we want to see change. We want to see transformation. But we can't manipulate that growth. That would be like a, uh, what they're doing. What is it? Um, genetically modified um, uh, organisms or GMO. The GMO that they're putting in products and things like that. Genetically modified. We can't genetically modify any Christian. We can only share the, the truth with them in love and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts. But they need to continually respond to Romans 12 verse 2 talks about uh, being a living sacrifice. That is talking about yielding your free will to the will of God, yielding your desires to what God desires for you. And there is transformation in that. Just because you've received the Spirit of God doesn't mean that your free will is gone now all of a sudden. You can still be a Christian and live like an unbeliever. And maybe that's some of you in this meeting. I'm not thinking of anyone specific. You can still be a Christian, have the spirit of God live inside of you and live like an unbeliever does. But we don't want that. We want maturing, right? And we'll get into that. Uh, maybe not this morning, but uh, there's, a, there's a maturing that God desires for us. There's a transformation that God desires for us. If we look back at verse 8, um, it says that you have been saved delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And the awesome thing about the gospel, I always see it as a two-sided coin. It's not, not just um, the forgiveness of sins. It's not just that. It's not just a, uh, okay, cool, at least my sins have been forgiven. Even past, past, present, and future tense sins has been forgiven. Like, praise God for that. Like, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. God is not holding my sin against me. But God has not just forgiven you of that sin, but he's also empowered you. The other side of the coin He's also empowered you, giving you a new nature, driving you not to want to live in sin, not to be satisfied with, oh, at least I'm forgiven. I don't want to live at a place, and I'm, I'm sure Catherine, my wife, doesn't want to live at a place where Etienne is writing the, 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 the truth and the fact that at least I'm forgiven. Praise God that we are forgiven, but praise God in as much as I've been forgiven, I've also been empowered to live free from the stupidity. Can I get an amen? I see Devin is super excited about this. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that others are also 
excited about this. That's God's heart for us to live transformed because of what he's put inside of us, his spirit. We are his handiwork. God is doing the work in us. He recreated us. We can't recreate ourselves. We are his handiwork. Now, a question I want to ask you, does God make mistakes? I really believe that people, uh, someone in this meeting, and I'm pretty sure more than one specific person, uh, someone is going to listen to this, this audio afterwards, um, you need to ask yourself this question or answer this question, does God make mistakes? No, he doesn't make mistakes. He is perfect. If he's perfect, that means that he can't make mistakes. You're not a mistake. You need to come to know this, that you are not a mistake. Maybe the conditions or the circumstances you've been born into wasn't uh, ideal. Maybe your life and your past and the things that you've done hasn't been great and you've hurt some people. Maybe you've been hurt. But that doesn't make God, uh, uh, that doesn't make God the, 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 the culprit in those things that have been happening to you. Like I shared in Hebrews 1 verse 3, Jesus was the express image of God's nature. If you see the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the love that was shared from him and through him, that is the nature of God. Just Jesus being sent, Jesus coming from heaven in all its perfect uh, conditions. He, he came, he left heaven to come and be born a baby. Imagine that, going back to being a baby. Some of you would like to be a baby again, and some of you are still babies in your adulthood. Um, I'm just joking. Or am I? I'm not sure. I'm not thinking of anyone specific. Um, let's get back to seriousness. No, I'm joking. It's good to it's good to make fun in church. It's good to laugh. It's good to uh, share a little bit of humor. Um, but don't hold my humor against me, please. Um, just uh, picture Jesus. Just take the good, uh, spit out the bad. Um, but Jesus, God Almighty, left everything to come and be taken care of as a baby. Man, that is... Uh, Philippians, uh, I believe it's uh, chapter two. Um, it's this beautiful picture of, man, that is, that is, that is humility. That is humility that we'll, we'll, we'll be able to meditate on and never fully understand that God Almighty, you spoke the world into existence, you created, you formed everything that we can see. He humbled himself as low as becoming an infant, a baby that needs to be taken care of, that needs to learn to walk, that needs to have uh, uh, diaper changes, needs to relearn how to talk, all of these things. Why? Because of his love for you. Because of his love for you. God doesn't make mistakes. This world is... Is, is, is living in, in, in sin and uh, living separated from God. But God doesn't make mistakes. We get to do these good works and, to, and we get to enjoy the benefit of this, uh, this, this transformed lives because of what God did for us. We get to live, as it says here, <clears throat> excuse me, that we should walk in them living the good life. Now, living the good life is not about having a nice house, having two cars, having three kids, having a good retirement annuity. Man, living the good life is living, <clears throat> excuse me, living the good life is living a transformed life. It's living in the reality of God's spirit in you and through you. Jesus himself said this, um, what's the point of gaining the whole world 
but yet losing your soul? What is the point of, of having all of these amazing things and yet you're living separated from God? Or even you're united with God in your spirit, but you're not living in that reality. That's almost as bad as being separated from God. The only difference is the one is separated for all of eternity and the other is only living in partial separation now because they don't realize and understand the reality and the truth of our identities in Christ. Verse 11. Let's move on. Therefore, remember... So in light of what we've just looked at, remember that at one time you were Gentiles, heathens in the flesh, called uncircumcision, those who called themselves or called uncircumcision by those who called themselves circumcision, itself a mere mark in the flesh made by human hands. Now, this is just a, a, such a, 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 a picture of religion again, um, getting called X, Y, Z by, by the, the super duper Christian, like, um, and kind of uh, putting performance again and saying, like, uh, at least I'm not where you are at. At least I've grown past this. At, at least I'm, I'm not as bad a sin as you are anymore. Um, like, you, you kind of just get this picture of religiosity. Again, performance-based mindsets. But it's also about circumcision. It's talking about here in the Amplified and elaborates and says, it's a mere mark in the flesh made by human hands. And we looked at this. Um, in verse uh, 13 from chapter 1. It is the same with you. You heard the true message, the good news about the way God saves you. When you heard the good news, you believed in Christ and, or, and in Christ, God put his special mark on you by giving you the Holy Spirit that he promised. That's awesome. We, we, we see this picture of circumcision being a, a mark in the flesh and it's a, it's a, uh, it was a, a thing that was made by human hands and there's various things that is a human thing or it's, a, it's, it's made in the natural or it's a natural uh, symbolism. But we see the spirit of God living in us as a mark made by the spirit that is unchangeable. That is done by God Almighty. God put his special mark on you. What amazing blessing. What amazing promise. God put his mark on you. You didn't put your mark on God. He put his mark on you. By giving you the Holy Spirit that he promised. Verse 11 from the Passion Translation. I'll read verse 11 to 13 from the Passion. It says, so don't forget that you were not born as a Jew and were uncircumcised. Circumcision itself is just the work of man's hands. You had none of the Jewish covenants and laws. You were foreigners to Israel's incredible heritage. You were without the covenants and prophetic promises of the Messiah. This is awesome. It explicitly elaborates on what is Israel's incredible heritage. It's not finances. It's not wealth. It's not kingdoms and kingdoms and material gain and possessions. As a lot of Christians would want to believe. You were without the covenants and prophetic promise of the Messiah. The promised hope and without God. And we see this in Ephesians 1. We see this in Galatians chapter 3. How again, the promise is referring to the Holy Spirit. That is the promise of Jesus, the promise of the Messiah and what he accomplished for us through dying, being resurrected and pouring out his spirit upon all flesh who wants to receive. That is our heritage. That's what we get to experience now in this family. Verse 13, yet look at you now. 
everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united to Christ. This is awesome. The world is living in separation from God. The world is living without an awareness of God's nature, his character, his love for them. A lot of believers are living in that place. That is why even us as a predominantly Christian nation is still living in the problem and the problems and the mess that we are living in. Because people are living unaware of the spirit of God living inside of them and what that means for us. And that is why us as believers, we, uh, we're not saying that we, we know it all and we've arrived. That's not what we're saying by, uh, by no means. But there's truths that we are clearly seeing in the word of God that sets us apart from so many others and not setting us apart and like we're better than them. We want the world, we want every son and daughter to not just come to salvation because God's desires for all men to be saved and to what? To come to the knowledge of the truth. It's not just God's heart for men to be saved. It's God's heart for people to come to knowledge of the truth as well. Coming to know the reality of our Christianity. That Christ is living in us and he wants to live through us. He's made everything new. Look at you now. He's made everything new. Now, what is this talking about? What is this everything new talking about? Is it talking about our, our actions? Is it talking about like we've uh, received an upgraded new body? Once we were fat, now we've got a six pack and we've got long wavy blondie hair and like <laughs> obviously it's not talking about that it's talking about our spiritual identities that is our driving force the spirit of god living inside of us that newness we can experience when we yield to that when we surrender to that and allow the spirit of god to lead us and to show us but i love this the last part here uh, we've been brought close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united to Christ. And this is a man. Now I've got so little time to focus on a, a big part of uh, what uh, the message was about this morning. And I'm trusting that what we've looked at so far has already been a blessing to you, but we're just going to pick up um, the pace a little bit. The question is, how close are you really to God? How close are you to God? Think about this. How close are you to your skin? How close are you to your mind? I may like maybe thinking like that's a silly question. Like how close am I to my skin? How close am I to my mind? You need to get this. Like as you're as close to your skin as you'll ever be, you're as close to your mind as you'll ever be. In that same way, you're as close to the Spirit of God being united with Him as you'll ever be. You can't get closer to God than you are right now as a born-again believer. Man, that's an amazing reality. There's no separation between you and your skin or your mind. There's no separation between you and God. So much more because that is going to be a reality for all of eternity. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 also uh, emphasizes this. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. Not one looking like two, one spirit. You don't have two spirits. You've got one spirit and it's the spirit of God Almighty. And this is really an awesome picture linking to our marriage to Christ. Matthew 19 verse 4 to 6 says, 
Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made the male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. I like the word. He's joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since there are no longer two, but one, let no man or let no one split apart what God has joined together. The Amplified says like this. And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be united firmly, joined inseparably to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. The King James verse 6 says, wherefore, there are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Now, while, while I'm focusing in, zoning in on this picture, this joining together, we are called the bride of Christ. He's our bridegroom. We are married to Jesus. We are united. We've become one with him, united to him. What God has joined together, it's God's idea. It's not a man-made idea. The spirit of God living in man is not some cool idea that man came up with. It's God's idea. It was God's design from the beginning of time for his spirit to live in man, for us to be united with him. We get to enjoy this unity, this joining together. I love Amplified. Inseparable. We are united firmly, joined inseparably to Christ. But I love how um, the verse 6 says, um, let not what God has joined together. So who did the joining together? Not you. You responded to something. And because of that response, God did something. Now I'm, I'm going to make a, a powerful point that you need to get now. God joined you together to him when you responded in faith to the grace of God, to the gift of Jesus Christ. Now, verse 6 in the New Living says, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Can man undo what God has done? Think about that. Can man undo what God has done? Can man somehow stop the, 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 the completion of the word from Genesis to Revelation? Can man in any way, shape, or form stop what God has written? No one could stop what Jesus was going to come to accomplish. Stay with me. I'm, 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 building, I'm building a case to something that you need to really get into your heart. Let no man split apart what God has joined together. Now, we kind of see that and we, we, we just look at it in a natural marriage sense. But the natural marriage that we see between husband and wife is a, is a prophetic picture, is a sim, symbolic picture of our union with Jesus. And it's oftentimes, obviously, it fails in comparison, right? I think uh, I, I, it would be a safe guess to say at least 50% of the people joining in in this meeting are coming from divorced marriages. In South Africa, the, stat, the stats is like 60% uh, uh, of marriages end in divorce. So if we're just looking at marriage and the picture of marriage between us and God from a worldly point of view, man, it's a sucky picture, right? So we need to look beyond the natural when we see these symbolisms in the word. Let no man 
or let no one split apart what God has joined together. King James, um, let no one put asunder what God has joined together. Let's go to Romans 8 verse 37. And I want to kind of uh, seal the deal here. And we're coming to a close. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be what? Shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Passion Translation, verse 39, there is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Now, this word separate um, or this uh, word uh, um, split apart or separate is the Greek word chorizo, um, which obviously uh, sounds like uh, what we have on our pizzas often. And uh, maybe some of you having chorizo later. <laughs> um, chorizo, and it means to place room between, that is to part, to put, put away, to depart, to separate or divorce. And obviously that is where, obviously we get the picture of divorce from as well. But the awesome thing that we see from Romans uh, chapter, chapter 8, verse 37 to 39, and what we clearly see in verse 6 in Matthew 19, let no one split apart. There's nothing, there's nothing, no one in the universe, nothing in the universe that can separate us, that can divorce us from our union with God. Nothing that we do can divorce us from Jesus. He laid down his life for us. We got married to him. He recreated us. He united us. God Almighty united us. We responded to that, yes, but he united us. He put us together with him and we are stuck with him. Now, maybe you're upset because you're stuck with Jesus. Hopefully you're not but you stuck with him. We are married to him. No stupid that you ever do will be able to say or have him respond with, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Divorce. Let's file the divorce. Nothing we do can separate us. Nothing we do can divorce us from our union with Christ Almighty, with God Almighty. 1 Corinthians 3.16 from the Passion says this, don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary and that the spirit of God makes his permanent home in you. That's another beautiful picture of, of our union with God is the Holy Spirit living in us. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And it's not a temporal dwelling place. It's a permanent home. Who chose to make his home in, in us? We responded, but... God chose and he came and he lived in us. When does that happen? When you respond, when you believe on Jesus Christ, he sets his home up in you. He makes his permanent home in you, his permanent residence. And this leads us to Hebrews 13 verse 5. Don't be obsessed with money, but live content with what you have, for you always have God's presence. For you always have God's presence for hasn't he promised you, I will never leave you alone, never, and I will not loosen my grip on your life. Man, if that's God Almighty saying, I'll never loosen my grip on your life. 
I can be assured that no stupid that I do, no mistake that I ever make, no decision that I ever make will be able to loosen God's grip on me. He will not divorce you. Nothing in this world can separate you from the love of Christ, from your union with him. Don't allow the devil to come and tell you lies about you falling from uh, salvation, this and that and the next thing. No, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from your union with Christ. When you've received his spirit, he came to seal you. He came to seal you. Nothing can change that. As much as my son Chris was born, I love looking at this picture as well. Chris was born and he's not going back into the mother in his mother's womb, especially not now. Like he's a big boy. <laughs> he's not going back. When he was born, he was born. It wasn't going to change. Now, when you got born again, you're born again. It's not going to change. Case in point. Okay, closing passage of scripture. We've got two more to look at. First Peter 1 verse 3 to 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fades not away reserved in heaven for you. Highlight, incorruptible inheritance, undefiled, that fades not away. The Passion Translation point, puts point five, or verse 5 like this. Through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. We can have full assurance of God's love for us. Constantly guards us until our full salvation. It's not saying you're not saved. This is just talking about when Jesus, with his reappearing, there will be a salvation that you'll experience in your physical body, completeness, in your physical body, no lack, no deteriorating, and also in your soul, in your mind, having a perfect mind like Christ, not needing to filter your thoughts. So that's all this is talking about. But it's also now in our spirit, the, 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 our spiritual uh, security is found and it's guarded by God's mighty power. Again, it would be silly of any person to think that I can undo what God has done. When you receive the spirit of God and he seals you, when you are united by God almighty, there's nothing you can do to divorce him from you. We can have full assurance of God's faithfulness. We didn't do anything to be accepted into the family of God. Um, apart from receiving, we didn't do anything and we can't do anything to reject being part of the family of God. Our salvation is secure in Christ. We are in him and he is in us. We are married to Jesus and he will never divorce us. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.